first went to Haiti, you know, I had great faith that God was going to abundantly provide. Well, he did provide, but he didn't provide quite in the way that, that we first expected. And we had, we learned principles of faith and learned principles of living in peace and an abundant life, even though we didn't have thousands of dollars coming in every month uh, as missionaries. In fact, to be honest, our missionary support uh, oftentimes is less than a thousand dollars a month, you know. And so uh, even back in the early 90s, that wasn't very much for, for a young missionary family to, to live on. And so we really learned that abundant life, faith, being free of worry, they all are connected. Welcome to Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and today we're privileged to speak with Dr. Bob Savell, who founded Passion Church in Tucson, Arizona with his wife, Carolyn. They served as missionaries in Haiti and uh, in various pastoral roles, and he teaches seminary students. He has a master's and doctorate in theology, and yet he speaks very practically in his latest book, Fulfill Your Dreams, Seize the Day, and Be Extraordinary. So, Dr. Savell, I'll call you Bob, as you said I could. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Charisma Connection. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for the warm welcome. Now, you have some great life experience there, and I don't think I've told the half of it. Right. Well, yeah, prior to going into ministry full-time, my wife and I had a season of our life where we were engineers. And so she was a software engineer, I was an electrical engineer. So we have a unique perspective uh, in the sense that we understand what it's like to work, you know, demanding careers and, and jobs and balance that with family and ministry. We try to give theology, I call it practical theology, that really helps and works with people. Uh, understanding everybody has everyday life that they uh, live and go through and those type of things. Very good. Well, in this book, you offer principles to help the believer fulfill dreams by embracing their purpose. So let's step back and say, how can the Christian find the purpose for which God has called him? Well, first and foremost, Chris, our ultimate calling is to follow Jesus and to love him with all of our heart. And, uh, you know, that in essence, it, it it's, can be a touchy subject when you talk about fulfill your dreams, because it can be, can almost sound very uh, introspective and it's all about me, when in reality it's all about him. But as we're pursuing him and falling more in love with him and living out of uh, delight with our relationship with the Lord, all of a sudden we begin to understand our true purpose, our true calling, and what makes us come alive. We begin to discover our purpose, our destiny, and uh, move towards that. And so at the very basis of where I'm going in the book is encouraging the believer to, to number one, first and foremost, you know, give your heart completely to the Lord and follow Him daily. Uh, it's not just a bunch of principles on, you know, how to get rich quick, for example, or, you know, how to just to be successful. It's about learning to be successful as we follow Christ in whatever endeavor he leads us into. Well, how did you personally find your purpose? Well, that's a good question, Chris. Uh, for me, my story is somewhat of um, discovering my purpose through some setbacks. And that theme is, sort of, is woven throughout the book. I tell a lot of my stories. 
But in my early, uh, you know, I came to Christ when I was about 20, and in my early 20s, my walk with God was really dynamic. And then I went through a season of time where I went through some setbacks and disappointments, uh, in particular uh, a divorce. And that was, uh, for me, a real life changer in the respect that uh, two, two wonderful children by that first marriage, feeling as though, okay, I knew I had a call in my life. I feel like I've wandered from the, that purpose that God had for me. Again, you know, my career was going fine. I was, you know, working as an engineer and, and those things and uh, serving in, in a church. But I realized that the real purpose for which God had for me had somehow taken a back seat. And worse, I felt as though, um, how am I going to really get back on track, you know, type of thing. And for me, there was a real defining moment after I had met Carolyn and, and we had married a couple of years later. Uh, on a Saturday morning, I was in my home office. We were living in Florida at the time. And uh, all of a sudden, I had a moment with the Lord where I was listening to a radio talk show about uh, Dr. David Livingston, a famous missionary uh, in Africa, about his life and, and different things. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit began to really speak to me. Uh, you know, he said, I have a call in your life, a call to ministry. And, uh, you know, your failures don't define you. You know, it's your response to the call that I have in your life. And that was a turning point for me. And again, it wasn't crystal clear exactly what that was going to look, look like from that point. But I began to realize, okay, God has, you know, that, that failure, that setback that I had that I thought was debilitating and that I would never now step into the fullness of my purpose, all of a sudden it was, I began to realize God looked at it totally different. And so, and I think for most people, as I've pastored now for nearly 25 years, I, I look and I look at most people and I see where they've had some type of setback. Maybe it's not something as, as dramatic as a divorce, or maybe it's been a job loss, or maybe there's been some illness or a death of a loved one, whatever, whatever the case may be. And uh, sometimes it's just our own lack of understanding our identity in Christ. And what I see is many people don't move forward because of these setbacks, uh, whether real or perceived. And I really tried to write the book from my own experience and my own understanding, not only personally, but what I've seen as a pastor, to give people really practical tools and principles, biblical principles that would help them understand their identity, live in forgiveness, be a person full of faith, uh, know how to pray, you know, sort of the A to Z, if you will, principles and, and fulfilling destiny. And that's where I was, I was coming from. And so what I've learned along the way then as purpose is sort of discovered through both the highs and lows. And the more that we can just keep our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, and we keep walking with him, no matter what the setback may be or the hardships or the circumstances we face, we just keep walking with him. And then along the way, those dreams continue to unfold, the purpose continues to unfold, and, and uh, that's, that's sort of what I've discovered. Excellent. Well, we all have highs and lows, so that's reassuring. Yeah. Now, uh, I understand you have some millennials who've been reading this book or have uh, accessed your teachings on purpose and have found them to be very practical in their own lives. Yeah, the feedback I've been getting has been very positive from a lot of the younger people. And again, what I tried to do, I didn't write the book specifically for millennials, but one of the things in my, in my heart and in my mind as I sat down to, to do this work 
was when I became a young Christian, uh, you know, my early 20s, uh, I wish there would have been a book that I, at the time, maybe there was, I just didn't discover it, that was sort of an A to Z. Give me some practical principles on what I need to do to grow in Christ and to continue to develop and find purpose along the way. And so I wrote the book with with the idea, all right, what are the basic themes that I've taught and, and preached in my church? What are the basic concepts that I want people to grow in? And then I took some of those concepts and I began to develop chapters out of that. And so, uh, again, weaving some of the practical stories that we've experienced as well as others that I write about in the book, I, I found subject matter that I think is relevant not only to a millennial age group, but also to those, again, that have maybe suffered setback, as I talked about a minute ago. Or even for the mature believer, I tried to write at a depth that was simple, yet there were some deep truths as well, so that even the mature believers are giving very positive feedback about the book. But the millennials seem to, to really gravitate towards the, the how-to aspect of what's woven through the book, where they can grab the simple truths uh, and the subject matter, and yet there's the depth there. And they, some of them told me, I've had to reread such and such page several times before I could grasp everything from it. But the overall concepts are there, and they know they've got a resource now that they can go back to and, and uh, you know, use as, as needed. One of, one of the, the young men in our church uh, used some of the portion of, of the chapter on faith. There's, I think it's chapter 8 is Faith to Realize Dreams. And he used some of that portion to do a young adult study, and uh, the young adults loved it. And so he just took a couple of pages of that and some of the concepts just on, on those pages and developed a teaching outline out of it, and, and it was real meaningful to him and to the others. And so some very positive feedback from the young people, as well as some of the uh, older ones. I had uh, one uh, lady in our church, um, mid-60s, and a uh, very mature believer, uh, she shared with me, she goes, I wanted to write a review, and she goes, I did write, write a review on Amazon for the book. She goes, what I really wanted to say, and she goes, I thought it might be a bit presumptuous, but I wanted to say, next to the Bible, you need to read this book. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I said, really? She said, oh, yes, it had that much of an impact on me. You've got some very key uh, thoughts and insights on things mixed with biblical truth and principles that have been very helpful. So that was really encouraging. So to, to get good, positive feedback from both groups of people, I think, really says a lot to— and that was my heart, to be able to write something that would, that would touch believers in, in different uh, spheres of their life. So, Yes, well, I think it's practical for everyone— in different stages of life, depending on uh, their maturity level in Christ. Well, could you right. give us one or two of the key principles that would help us fulfill the dreams that God has given to us? Oh, that's a good question, Chris. You know, I wrote, uh, again, these chapters that I, I wrote were specifically, uh, I felt led is from the Lord to, to write chapters on faith, for example, prayer, uh, one chapter, chapter 10, Patient Endurance. Uh, those chapters, really I was building everything up to those chapters uh, because those are such solid principles that we all need, you know, to be a person of faith, which then fuels your, your prayer life. And we all want to see our prayers answered, but we also know that there's a patient endurance involved, you know, where uh, patience undergirds our faith, and we have to, you know, stand 
resolute in what the Lord has put on our heart of the promise that He's given us in His Word. And so uh, those chapters, I think, are very, very important. And I don't think you can really see your purpose fulfilled or, or, or God's dream for your life or your dreams realized without, without being very resolute. And this is what God has spoken to me. And despite the obstacles, I'm going to continue to persevere and, and press forward. And I think many of us give up right when the dream is about to become a reality. And I even tell early in the book, uh, in chapter on dreams, uh, using the story of Walt Disney. And uh, the story of Walt Disney, if you've never heard it, is fascinating, uh, where him and his brother uh, Roy were almost on the, the verge of bankruptcy and some of their business ideas and ventures, and he had this dream of, a, of an amusement park, and we all know that story. But he he tells uh, about how literally the idea of Mickey Mouse came to him at a point where they were really at the point of almost bankruptcy and ready to give up. And all of a sudden, there he is with a pad of paper, a pencil, and this idea of a mouse, he begins to sketch, and, and the rest is history. And uh, uh, and so this whole understanding of faith, perseverance, prayer, continuing to move forward in the dream that God's given us, or the word that he's given us, or the direction that he's given us, whatever the case may be in our lives, and, and not giving up is, is really key. Now, that said, I don't think we can get there without being a person who also understands what our true identity is. And so the early chapters of the book, I talk a lot about uh, what a real Christ-given identity is and how we must live out of that and how we've been adapt- adopted into God's family and uh, you know, learning to live as part of, uh, of that family and from that new identity. And then right in the middle of the book, very intentional in the 12 chapters, chapter 6 is, all about forgiveness, uh, living a lifestyle of, of forgiveness. And I've observed over the years, many people, they can start out well in God. They're moving along. Things are going well. Family's doing well. Uh, ministry may be doing well. But if they have a, a, a situation in life, maybe a traumatic situation or a real serious incident, and they're not able to forgive, truly forgive, and move past that, um, their dreams can be stifled, their, their purpose, their destiny can be stifled. And, uh, and personally, uh, and I think most, uh, most of us would agree on this, we've all had some area, and that's what Jesus even said that, it's impossible to, to not be offended in life, you know. We've had where someone's offended us or maybe deeply hurt us. And if we're not careful, we can hold on to that forgiveness, and it, it just robs us of really the free flow of God's grace. And so that chapter on forgiveness, I, I had one of my millennials tell me that chapter for me was probably one of the best chapters in the book. So again, it's depending on what season the person was in or where they're at or what they've gone through. But the chapter on forgiveness is really good. Uh, I've had some of the millennials really uh, give me feedback. Chapter seven is worry-free living on how that chapter has really encouraged them because again, for a lot of the millennials, they want to know how do I how do I live life successfully? You know, following Christ. You know, being a good you know spouse or or, or you know being committed to the Lord if they're not married. Uh, how do I live life in that way where I'm growing? I'm seeing dreams fulfilled. I'm, I'm doing life well. And, uh, you know, success and however they define it. And so 
the problem many struggle with is worry about careers, worry about uh, jobs. Um, I'm finding out, and I think statistics are beginning to bear this out, a lot of millennials are concerned about the environment. Um, of course, you know, a lot of concerns about political things. And so learning then how to live in, in a place of God's peace, resting in Christ, yet pushing forward in him, following him, and whatever he may be leading, in a place of rest, free of worry, and peace is, is, is a huge piece. And that's why we, uh, we decided to give that chapter away free to those that sign up for, for my mail list, because I think that's such an important chapter, whether the person gets the book or not. I think it would be, be very helpful for them. And so all of those types of chapters and themes, I think, are very essential uh, again, as a pastor, I see, you know, people struggle with a lot of these different issues, you know, in their lives at different times. Well, I think what you're describing is the abundant life that Christ promised us. Absolutely, Chris. And I, and I talk specifically about that uh, in the book. And again, abundant life, we sometimes put an Americanized idea on that. Well, if I have a half-million-dollar house and I've got two new cars, et cetera, et cetera, we think that may be the abundant life. It might be an aspect of it, but true abundant life is learning to live and abide such in Christ that he is our greatest joy, he is our greatest treasure, and we can live at peace with him because we're walking with him daily. And whatever he leads us into, uh, we can be at great peace. For example, when my wife and I went to Haiti as missionaries, uh, we made the decision, and it had been over a month, the Lord speaking to our hearts, and we felt this call to to full-time ministry, long-term, and uh, we walked away from engineering careers And uh, uh, in Central Florida, aerospace industry. We had very secure careers and a future, you know, financially, et cetera, but we, we knew what God had put on our hearts, and so it came at a cost, but we were willing. And um, so when we first went to Haiti, you know, I had great faith that God was going to abundantly provide. Well, he did provide but he didn't provide quite in the way that, that we first expected. And we had we learned principles of faith and learned principles of living in peace and an abundant life, even though we didn't have thousands of dollars coming in every month uh, as missionaries. In fact, to be honest, our missionary support uh, oftentimes was less than $1,000 a month, you know. And so uh, even back in the early 90s, that wasn't very much for, for a young missionary family to, to live on. And so we really learned that abundant life, faith, being free of worry, they all are connected. And ultimately, our real peace and joy comes because we love Jesus. We're following him. We're going to serve him. And it's not about uh, uh, our Americanized idea, uh, ideals of success. Now, that said, again, a lot of our, our, our listeners, you know, your podcast and, and those in our churches, um, they're not necessarily called to the mission field. In fact, I think few are, you know. So the reality is learning then how to live in middle-class America, uh, you know, where, you know, you want to get a house, you want to provide for your family, take care of your kids, you want your kids to have good education, uh, you know, good life experiences, good church experience. All of that is, is a very delicate balance of, of not being so consumed with materialism yet learning how to be at peace with Jesus and learning how to live with what he gives and understanding, and I talk about this in the book, where it comes right down to Jesus is enough, period. And that's 
hard sometimes, I think, for us as Americans, who are used to having so much. But when we reach that place where Jesus truly is enough, then all of a sudden our hearts aren't tied to this, the things of the world as much. And now we're more free to serve him, whether that's in the local church and a local community or going possibly to the nations as he might lead. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a statement in the introduction to the book that struck me where you you talk about being free from the pain of the past. Okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. But then also being free from the routine of the present to focus on our relationship with Jesus and fulfill the impossible. Now, why is it we need to be free from our daily routine? Uh, good question, Chris. Sometimes our routine, and it's a little bit of what I just was talking about, um, in America, uh, we put a high value on economic security as, as believers. And, uh, and, and, we, and, there, and we have lots of wonderful classes. We teach them in our, in our church as well of financial stewardship, and we need to be good stewards. In fact, Jesus talked a great deal about money throughout the Gospels, and that's a, an important concept, and, and, and money in the sense of kingdom stewardship. And so that's absolutely important. But what can happen is, we can become so caught up in the routine. Okay, you know, and, and we have it, I've seen this with some of the millennials, uh, as well as older people, uh, where, okay, I go to college, going to get married, going to get a house, have a mortgage, we're going to do this, we're, we're going to, and all, everything's kind of sketched out, we're going to save, you know, for retirement, we're going to do all these things. And so what can happen is the routine of, of doing what, is expected or what they believe is expected or, or the right way can sometimes actually hinder us from doing the impossible with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the routine then, so the enemy of the best is the good. You know, we're, we're, we're working, we're putting money in the 401k, the IRAs, all those kind of things. And all of a sudden Jesus asks us, hey, uh, would you minister to the people on the south side of, of, of town? And, uh, well, uh, that's going to require a cost. That may mean that you have to maybe not work quite as, as much or put in a few less hours and maybe take some of your own finances to do some outreach on the south side of town where you're, you're helping minister to the poor, you're helping uh, kids of single uh, parent homes or something, whatever the case may be, after school program or something. And all of a sudden there's a cost involved. And so sometimes we have to break out of that routine to really see Jesus touched the lives of other people and see us begin to step into a greater place of awareness and abundant living. True abundant living is following him and then serving others. And so that's one helping people to understand that is um, is important. And I think they, they really come alive as, as they begin to see that vision for uh, ministering to others and, and certainly carrying the heart of the gospel of Christ. And that's the make disciples of all the nations. Hmm. Very challenging. Well, uh, I see that you have a forward by Dr. Randy Clark, and uh, he yeah. mentions how um, beneficial the book is for every believer. Uh, what is your relationship with Dr. Clark? I believe you have uh, been trained by him. Yes. Well, my wife and I first met Randy in uh, Melbourne, Florida in 1995. There was uh, about a year after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened in Toronto, Canada, uh, at the Arnott's Church. Uh, Randy was invited down to do a series of meetings in Melbourne, and, and uh, it, it was quite powerful. Many thought it was, you know, what was taking place in Melbourne in those early days 
could could be like another Toronto. And so that was when we first uh, really got exposed to his ministry. And for those for the listeners not familiar with uh, Dr. Clark's ministry, he was an American Baptist pastor who was uh, touched and influenced living in southern Illinois, small town in southern Illinois, uh, through the ministry of uh, John, the late John Wimber, who was one of the founders of the Vineyard uh, uh, Churches and Movement. And uh, what specifically struck Randy was the healing ministry and um, by Wimber and the flowing of the gifts of the, of the Spirit. And so in the early 80s, I think it was 1984, uh, Randy had a team from uh, uh, John Wimber come to his little church in, in uh, Illinois, Baptist Church, and the Holy Spirit fell in power. Randy began to witness, uh, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, gifts of healing, uh, take place in his church, and that that set a new course for his life and, and pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. So then fast forward then to 1995. So by then when Randy, now he had, uh, had been part of the Vineyard Movement for a while, and the Lord began to use him to ignite revival and moving the gifts of the Spirit, and specifically in healing, when he came uh, that January 1995 there, there to Melbourne, uh, Randy will even uh, talks about this, his healing ministry was really that month that his healing ministry began to go to another level. And we had already been on the mission field down in Haiti at that time, and been part of a very powerful, charismatic ministry and church there that's still very active in, in Haiti, Church on the Rock, uh, Port-au-Prince. And all of a sudden, I saw Randy move in healing with such simplicity that it really captivated my heart. In fact, I, I kind of kept it as a memorial stone I have in uh in my desk, a three by five card where I took some notes that night on, uh, on healing. And so one thing led to another. And then a few years later, Randy began to travel more to the nations, inviting people to go with him. Felt like the Lord wanted me to go. And I began to travel with him. It was shortly after we planted this church here in Tucson. And from that point, I began to notice that our, our flowing in the gifts of spirit went to another level flowing in, in healing so much so that, over time, uh, Randy asked me to even help lead uh, teams on a couple of occasions in uh, India with him, and uh, then eventually was part of a doctoral group with uh, Randy and some others. Roland Baker was one in our in our doctoral group and earned a doctorate with Randy and some of these others, and uh, it was a real powerful time. And then out of that, I wrote my first two books on healing. One was a, a, a case for healing today, and then. Uh, then Whitaker House republished the book, and I rewrote it, uh, called Receive Your Miracle Now. And uh, I really tell a lot of our journey of how we got into healing ministry and some of that story I just shared, getting affiliated with uh, Dr. Clark. And it's just amazing to see what the Lord has done. And so uh, certainly healing and, and moving in the gifts of the Spirit is a big part of our DNA as a church uh, and how we we train folks. And so... Uh, yeah, the relationship with Randy isn't really good, and so through that relationship, uh, I'm now one of uh, uh, you know several of us that earned our doctorates that are now helping teach in a seminary, uh, Global Awakening Theological Seminary that offers master's classes, as well as we have a doctoral cohort with a predominantly Methodist seminary, United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. And so, uh, yeah, it's been a wonderful relationship, and I'm just glad years ago that when the, we first met him in 95, and then when the Lord began to speak to me about traveling with him and, and uh, uh, you know, gleaning from his ministry, it's been a very, very wonderful, powerful experience. Something tells me that you keep kind of busy. 
<laughs> I keep very busy. I do occasionally get some time for golf, which helps relax me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, in this book, you talk about seizing the day. So as we think yeah. about seizing our day today, would you lead our listeners in prayer as we close? Yeah, certainly, Chris. Thank you. Well, Father, I, I thank you for those that are listening to this podcast. And uh, Lord, I know that there are, are many that have had dreams, uh, an inkling of where you're leading them in terms of purpose and, and, their, and their destiny. And I know, Lord, that for many, they, they want practical principles on how to position themselves and align themselves uh, in that place. And so, Father, I pray right now that, Holy Spirit, you would begin to coalesce the very purpose, the very dream, the very, the very essence of how you created them, Lord. You created each one of us to be extraordinary, each one of us has a divine purpose and dream that you've placed within us. And so, Lord, I pray they begin to be able to tap into that. And I pray, Lord, whatever setbacks there may have been, and sometimes, Lord, it's just the, the success of doing well, and yet that hinders us from having the courage to step out beyond into the unknown. I, I pray, Lord, for, for faith, for confidence, for courage to be released today. And I pray, Lord, for many that are in the season of transition, even 2019 is a very transitional year. I pray, great grace, Father, to transition into the fullness of everything that you're leading them into. And the Lord's just showing me a picture right now. I see a picture. of It's like the Lord is on the edge uh, of this large, beautiful lake on the other side. You can faintly see a person or an image of a person on the other side. And I believe for some that are listening to this, it's, the Lord is almost bidding you to just to come to the other side. It, it's he's an invitation. But to get across the lake, it's a bit daunting. It seems, you know, how am I going to get there? And I just see there's, there's if, you, if you look, you'll see there's a boat. There's, a, there's oars in the boat. There's a way to get across. God will make a way. He'll show you the plans. He'll show you the strategies. He, he's inviting you to step into something and go to the other side, to something that's going to take you beyond what you ever imagined. And uh, so, Lord, I just pray for the courage for those that you've been speaking to, uh, whether it's about some area of ministry, so, some area of their calling, Father, I pray that you would just release the fullness of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dr. Bob Savell. That's uh, very powerful, and we appreciate the encouragement and the challenge you've given to us in this book. How can our listeners connect with you? Well, I have a, a, a webpage, bobsavell.com, and uh, there's more information. I do a weekly blog article that's there. There's video, some of my video teachings are also there associated with the blog. There's more information about uh, Fulfill Your Dream, uh, this book, as well as the two books on healing that are there, uh, Facebook page, uh, Twitter as well. And then, of course, our church website is passiontucson.org. Um, people can watch live stream if they're interested, or church services, or go back and watch uh, uh, you know, the sermons that are video archived there as well. So Okay, and that's bobsavelle.com, so B-O-B-S-A-W-V-E-L-L-E.com. Yes, that's, that's correct, Chris. Very good. You've been listening to Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Join us next time here on the Charisma Podcast Network. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. 
We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. Thank you.